All electric shoes that help you walk faster. All electric scooters. All electric bicycles. All electric cars. We know all about this, right? All electric ships. How about all electric planes? When is this going to stop? According to the Fast Company, right? America needs about 14 million new electric machines by 2026. And this includes your household heat pumps, stoves, generators, um, vehicles, obviously. Pretty much anything that is typically powered by fossil fuels, right? So most of these devices simply contain a, will simply contain a battery and have like an external charger that can plug into a socket. So why this sudden need for, 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 for sameness, for, for monotony, right? Well, there is a push by a lot of government agencies and organizations to meet um, some goals uh, in terms of climate change and, and other things, right? But like I said, it's just creating some type of similarity across the spectrum of devices that we use. But if we're all going to have devices that just have batteries in them and external power, power supplies, then this means that they are all still being indirectly powered by the power grid, right? So basically, you're still powering everything using power sources like coal, natural gas, or even things that are fancier like wind and nuclear. This means that overall, we now have more large size batteries than ever before, right? That's, that's basically what this means. Let's zoom out a little bit and explore all the direct power options out there instead of being so narrowly focused on making everything battery powered because that's what it really is, right? Just battery powered devices. So if the goal is to avoid fossil fuels altogether, there's still a large variety of options out there if you want to directly power uh, devices and, and pretty much everything that we use. So I'm going to talk about a few direct power options here, right? So again, direct power means you're not plugging something into a wall socket and and getting the power through the power grid. It means that the power source is directly connected to your device somehow. So for example, a good example of a direct power source is, is your car. So you go to the gas station, you pump some gas into your car, and the gas directly powers the car, right? So, but if the goal is to get away from fossil fuels like gasoline, right? Uh, then why don't we consider other options instead of just batteries? There seems to be such a push to, to, to make everything battery powered. I'll talk about four options. I'll talk about direct solar, hydrogen, ammonia, and biofuels in general. So direct solar, hydrogen, ammonia, and biofuels. Keep in mind that there are many other options also like nitrogen, steam, and um, and some variations of biomethane and 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 many other many other similar uh, structures of of in the bio, in the biospace. Many of these options are still very early stage, and are far from widespread in terms of their adoption. However, 
keep in mind that the process of converting cars and planes and, and ships you know, to being battery powered is not smooth sailing either. Take an example of NASA, who this week said they are scrapping their plans for their electric planes simply because they are now having issues with the way the motors in the, um, in the planes are being powered by the, by the battery, battery pack or the battery system. So nothing is smooth sailing in trying to transition away from fossil fuels. Now, if we increase the variety of power options instead of just trying to narrowly focus on batteries, batteries, then we reduce the likelihood that battery-related sources uh, like lithium, sodium, and things of that nature become heavily depleted or, 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 or have a huge strain on them in terms of production and, 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 and demand, right? And we, we can also help reduce monopolies within the transportation sector because this is where most of the push is. Reduce monopolies uh, in transportation and energy in general. And we can ensure that we continue to explore other ways to power our planet instead of being so narrowly focused. Okay? If you've made it this far, uh, welcome to the Hard Tech pod- Podcast live stream. Uh, we do this every week. So if you uh, like what you've heard so far and you are enjoying the show, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. I, like I said, I'm going to go straight into it and analyze the uh, four options that, uh, that I mentioned earlier on instead of you know just batteries, right? But as I do that, please leave your comments and questions in the, uh, in the chat. I'm gonna be reading them as I go along. Uh, so without further ado, Let's uh, let's begin. All right, let's talk about direct solar. Here, so the best example of direct solar is is uh, I'll give you two options of of direct solar application that exists out there, and and you see that. It's not, it's not new, but I want to start with something very familiar and then we'll transition into things that sound newer, right? Or sound um, uh, very different from what you know. So some of these options I'm going to talk about you already know of and, and some most people don't know of yet unless you're really, really, really into this, into this space, right? Okay, solar panels, let's... Take a look at direct solar here. So, like I said, an example of of a direct solar is the solar panels that go above uh, road signs, as you can see. That's one example. Or the best example is very widespread, right? Solar panels on the roof of your house, right? So that's pretty pretty obvious. It's uh, best suited for places with a lot of sunshine and more suitable for low-power outdoor applications if you're limited by surface area of application, right? So that's just a good way to introduce you guys to what direct solar looks like. So it's nothing, nothing super advanced. But what if we wanted to go beyond houses and road signs and things that uh, are pretty easy to apply direct solar to? What if we wanted to power a whole car with 
just solar power, right? Uh, many uh, many experts have said that this is this is going to be hard to make visible feasible, but that that hasn't stopped uh, some ambitious people from trying. So take it take a look at this example right here from light year. So this is an example of what's possible, right? Um, when I uh, first introduced uh, Lightyear as a zero vehicle, uh, a few episodes back, I, I got some comments from some of you saying, oh, this isn't going to work because if you are in somewhere that is very cold and, and somewhere where uh, there isn't a lot of sunshine, then it wouldn't work. But a lot, I would say a very large percentage of the world's population exists in places where there is a lot of sunshine, right? And you don't need to have sunshine all day all day long to have a, a vehicle like this powered and i know some of the criticisms i'm going to hear oh but the efficiency of solar panels are so low and the average efficiency is about 25 percent and it should it can only power uh, some and i've said this before too that right now the experts in the space say it can only power like some minor or, or mid-major electronics within a car but the electric car system wasn't widely praised either many years ago and see where we are now and a lot of electric vehicles on the road so all i'm saying here is put a lot of effort into other options instead of just you know filling cars with batteries that are just plugged into charge um, direct solar is something that should be looked into and if it works for cars perfect if it doesn't work for cars it could work for many other systems and devices that require a lot less power and see the outdoors and and, and spend a lot of time outdoors right so uh, a good example of that is what we've seen with the road science and there are many 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 other applications instead of thinking about just plugging everything into the grid and and, uh, and that's that's the whole point of this this show today is to show you guys other options out there right all right that's that's di that's direct solar so it's not just solar energy not solar panels that are sitting in the middle of the field somewhere and then are plugged into a grid i'm talking about applying solar panels directly on on or almost directly on what you're trying to power right so let's go on to the next option hydrogen right hydrogen let me um this is hydrogen is probably more suited for applications where the space needed for the hydrogen tank is not limited right so if you're trying to power something if you're trying to power a small device hydrogen direct hydrogen power is probably not the best option so let me give you an example of something that wouldn't work for hydrogen or as of today, it wouldn't work. So it could work in the near future, but as of today, it's not going to work. Behind me is a hydrogen-powered Toyota Mirai, and this car makes zero. To be fair, hydrogen cars are much cleaner than gas or electric cars, but that's the only positive. But the issue is the packaging. This is exactly the same size as a BMW 5 Series, but with none of the benefits. This has three giant hydrogen tanks. The biggest one lives right under here, and it takes up a third of your front seat space. But if you think that's bad, wait until you see the back seat. <laughs> the reason it's so tight 
is because your second largest hydrogen tank is under these rear seats. Your third tank is underneath here. So unlike an EV, you don't get extra space. See from the uh, from the, the review there of the, uh, I think that was the Hyundai hydrogen car. Let's see here. Uh, hydrogen, yeah. Let's let's see that again real quick. Uh oh no, it was a Toyota Mirai. All right, so well, there are many companies that are, are playing around with the, with these concepts, and Hyundai is one of them. But in this case, the review is for the Toyota Mirai. Um, and as you can see from there, the main issue was everything. Well, not everything, but almost everything about the car that was a problem was due to the fact that there was not enough space inside of the car for the hydrogen tanks that needed to power the car, right? So even the slow speed, I, I can attribute that to the fact that uh, speed is being sacrificed for the amount of power available due to the space available in the hydrogen tanks, right? So, so that's 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 an application you don't want to use it for as of today. Even though we have a lot of concepts cars on the road for hydrogen, a better application would be trucks. If you're thinking about vehicles in general, then a better application will be trucks. Let's take a look at something from Hyzon Motors, right here. So I'm going to play this video. Uh, so right off the bat, you see that this Hyzon is a heavy, rigid fuel cell vehicle. So emphasis on heavy. Right in this video, I'm gonna turn off turn off the sound just to avoid any copyright issues here. Um, and all of all of what you're seeing right now is just a demo of of how it's how it's made and the internal components of it. But as you can see, I'm gonna take that back real quick. As you can see, there are some hydrogen tanks in the right behind uh, in the back of the truck. And you can see that they are being fueled uh, via some small size wires, uh, you know, that pumping the hydrogen gas into the tanks right there. And the rest of the video is just talking about, about just showing the vehicles from Heisen and the fact that they're already in, in, uh, product, in production and already in use on the roads. In, in this case, I think it's in use in Australia right now. So a 27-ton heavy rigid fuel cell vehicle. Um, this is obviously used for hauling purposes because of because uh, of the way it's designed, right? So again, um, a better use of hydrogen occurs when when you don't when you're not very limited by um, by space for the hydrogen tanks. And a good way to illustrate this is to show you this slide real quick, right here. So as you can see on here, there are three major components to the uh, hydrogen truck. You have the hydrogen tanks in the back right here. Uh, these tanks hold hydrogen, which is a fuel, and then the gas is pumped into the vehicle, much like a diesel truck. And then there's a fuel cell system um, in front of the truck where the hydrogen and air are funneled into the fuel cell system generating electricity 
And then you have the electric motor, you know, powered by electricity generator in the fuel cell, fuel cell system. And then the motor turns the wheels, right? So, but you can see the volume that the hydrogen tanks occupy in the back right here. Right? But it's a very clean fuel um, and it's very widely available. Hydrogen is the most available element in the, in the, in the, in the Earth's uh, atmosphere, in the Earth system, period, right? Okay. I'm going to move on from hydrogen uh, and move on to something not too dissimilar from hydrogen. I'll, I'll show you what I mean really quick. We're going to talk about ammonia. So ammonia contains, it's basically nitrogen and hydrogen, right? Contains, it carries hydrogen very well. It's ammonia gas or ammonia liquid. And it is liquid at ambient, you know, typical temperatures, room temperature, whatever you want to call it. Right, so it's easy to easier to use than just pure hydrogen. Uh, so ammonia, you might be asking, what is what is this used for? Well, again, we're talking about an application that is very relatable and can be counterculture to what's being pushed. And what's being pushed is electric cars, right? So let's take an example here. Let's look at an example from GAC, a company called GAC out in China um, that has made what's called the world's first ammonia engine for cars. All right, take a look at this. So GAC China says it's building the world's first ammonia engine for cars. I mean, this just looks like a typical uh, large truck engine. Um, so it's... The idea again is because of the hydrogen component, it's a clean fuel for ships, airliners, trucks, and trains. So big, big applications, right? But GAC is saying we're going to build this for passenger cars, <laughs> and and we're going to see how that works. Um, so keep in mind that this is an emerging form of of alternative direct power for cars. And why this is very interesting is there are a lot of critics of hydrogen. They say things like, well, they say, they say things are valid. Hydrogen is easily flammable, right? It's the infrastructure needed for hydrogen is just not there. Uh, it requires special tankers and special pipelines to transport it and things of that nature. But as you begin to modify the way it's being carried inside of other compounds like ammonia, then you begin to get, you're getting you start getting closer to um, to a an acceptable form of it. So by packaging it as as ammonia, then you have a liquid version of it that is easier to work with, easier to carry, um, easier to transport, and doesn't have most many of the issues that um, many of the issues that hydrogen itself by itself would have. But keep in mind that just because it's easier to carry, it doesn't change the fact that hydrogen or fuels that contain a large amount of hydrogen still remain highly flammable. So safety will always be a, an issue to consider or to, to try to mitigate. Um, yeah. Okay. 
So that's ammonia. Let me go on to the fourth. Okay, let me see. I have. I think I have some questions in the chat. Yes, I do have some questions in the chat. I'll, I'll read those questions and I'll comment on them before I go into the, the last example here, which is the one I'm really uh, uh, passionate about today. Uh, Lang says, isn't everything electric at the end of the day? Yes. I mean, well, not everything, but this, the systems that uh, uh, are having this whole all-electric uh, agenda pushed on them, these systems are electric at the end of the day, right? You still have to, to, to generate electricity within the system to power the, the device, right? But the, even though everything is all electric, it's, for me, it's a bit lazy to try to make everything battery-powered. And just like with everything in life, by the time everything becomes monotonous, it's dangerous. It creates monopolies. It creates it creates a system that is strained um, because there's so much focus on just one way of doing things, right? So yes, everything is everything is electric in the way it's being powered, but we can directly power them outside of the power grid, uh, outside of just plugging into a socket. Uh, Yes, thanks for the questions. Uh, uh, here you're asking again. How do these power options change the cost of these vehicles? As with every new system, every new um, way of doing things, the cost will always be higher at the beginning. But the overall point of this is, if hydrogen, for example, or solar are allowed to compete with uh, battery technology, which is just pure battery technology, then eventually the cost will go down. So initially the cost is going to be high. Yeah, that's for sure. That's that's a question uh, because just the infrastructure needed and and the technology uh, needed to to make this cheaper would take a while and would take a more wide to take a more widespread approach to make it more affordable. So thanks for the question, guys. Questions that you guys have. Post. These are very good questions. Thank you very much. Um, I am now going to move on to the last option I want to talk about. Again, these are not the only four direct power options out there. This is just four that that people already, companies and uh, researchers are already working on and have made some good progress on, and some and and some of them are already being adopted, but just not being pushed enough. And are not being, they are not, they are not getting the attention that battery technology is getting nowadays. So we're going to move on to the fourth one, which is biofuels. Biofuels. Okay. So just, uh, I'm going to make a blanket statement here. When I talk about biofuels, I'm talking about the ways in which any type of fuel can be generated from food agricultural waste, human waste, and, you know, other things that are similar to that. So it's a very wide range of, of, um, of options here for generating uh, this type of waste. And for generating the type of waste or the type of uh, uh, food, inc food uh, component that will allow you to create biofuels. Fuels. Biofuels can come in the form of biodiesel, biomethane, ethanol, 
or something that has been fancifully called sustainable fuel, right? <laughs> That's another way of saying uh, this fuel it looks like the typical fossil fuel in the way it's been uh, uh, used and in the way it functions, but because it was created from something other than oil drilling or or something something similar, then it's sustainable fuel. Now, I, I think that this, must, this may be the most promising emerging direct power source simply because of how much of it is available. Let me... Let me let me tell you let me show you what I mean. For example, consider this fact right here that about 30 to 40% of the food in the United States is wasted, right? During the farming process in grocery stores, in restaurants and in homes. I mean, grocery stores routinely throw away about 30% of the food that they try to sell. It just go it just it just spoils before anyone buys them, right? That's about Altogether, just for food, we're not talking about agricultural waste or human waste or other bio bio uh, bio options that you could use to make biofuels. Just food. That's about 119 billion pounds of uh, food wasted every year. So that's so a lot of a lot of uh, bio uh, options that are readily available just to be converted, waiting to be converted to biofuels, depending on the process that's apl applicable to each option. Now, let's take a quick look at the current state of biofuels development right here. I'm going to play this video here from Bloomberg. And let me leave the sound on for this one. Right here. Let's evolving at a breakneck pace on the back of accelerating global production capacity and enthusiastic demand. While the United States and Europe are moving from biodiesel and ethanol to renewable diesel, Indonesia, Singapore, and India expect growth in biodiesel, sustainable aviation fuel, and ethanol. Singapore has long been a participant in biofuels, in particular SAF and marine fuel. Indonesia has the world's highest transport fuel blending mandate and relies heavily on domestic palm oil as a feedstock. Waste and residues, a feedstock category that includes used cooking oil, is poised for the fastest growth among biofuel inputs. China, the world's largest producer of used cooking oil, is only beginning to unlock its waste and residual feedstock potential. China is now experiencing competition for export destinations between Singapore, Europe, and the United States for its residual and waste oils. As China eyes carbon neutrality, however, the country may begin to use its own waste and residual feedstock for domestic refining. As the global biofuel market landscape evolves and becomes more complex, so do the risks and thus the risk management needs of market participants. Okay, so that was that. Um, from just a quick recap of what's going on in the biofuel space. As you can see, most of the efforts are in Asia and you know, outside of um, Europe and the United States, but uh, like I said, this is this is a very um, it's a very very promising option for direct power. If we can convert uh, bio, convert food, con convert agricultural waste, convert uh, other other forms of 
other forms of um, of uh, bioproducts into ethanol, into biofuels, into methane, into things that uh, options that can be used to power directly power devices, then that just replaces fossil fuels before battery technology, solar, hydrogen become uh, feasible enough to completely take over, right? It, it could be more of a more transitional option than, than, um, than the other options that we've talked about today. A major criticism, though, is just like fossil fuels, it's being criticized for releasing CO2 into the atmosphere, just like fossil fuels, right? And it makes sense because things, plants, for example, right, use take CO2 from the atmosphere to 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 basically exist to survive, and then when they die or when they they are being converted to some other form, they can release CO2, release the CO2 back into the atmosphere, right? So. I, I will do a, f- a a breakdown in the future about biofuels because there's a lot to talk about here about how um, different forms of bioproducts can be converted, how they are being converted, and the impact they can have on the environment as as the conversion process is being done, and and there are many things to explore here. So I I I, I would break it down in a future episode for sure. All right, so guys. Those are the options I wanted to uh, present today. Uh, again, we looked at a few options here. We looked at a way to just look beyond just battery technology. 14 million battery power devices need to be uh, made in the U.S. by 2026. That's because there's a push to get these devices converted from just fossil fuel powered uh, devices to battery powered. And instead of looking at other options, everyone is just going the route of battery power technology. But we can look at many other options and we can start to diversify or, or create more variety in, in, in the energy system for direct power. So direct solar, hydrogen, ammonia, which carries hydrogen, and a very, very broad space called biofuels. All right. Before I close out the show today, I am going to uh, just make very quick announcements. Again, this has been the High Tech Podcast live stream. Uh, I host a weekly live stream on YouTube uh, where I'll typically uh, provide a detailed insight into a specific type of emerging technology. Oh, I have um, one more chat question here. I mean, let me read that before I finish up the announcements. Are electric cars cost-effective in terms of maintenance? Well, that's left to be seen in the long term. I mean, for most, if you buy a reliable, typically reliable uh, gasoline-powered car, then you shouldn't have any issues for initially, right? Which is what I think is happening with electric cars right now. And most of the information out there is points to the fact that electric cars don't require uh, maintenance that much. And the maintenance cost uh, every year seems to be cheap. But I would wager that most electric cars are still new. What happens in 10 years and 15 years? I mean, in 10 years and 15 years, can you compare a Tesla to a, a, a Toyota Camry, for example? 
a Model 3 to a Toyota Camry. Which one is more cost-effective after 10, 15 years? That's a better example to look at. And we can't really analyze that because there's not a lot of data on the electric vehicle side of things right now in terms of long-term cost-effectiveness. But just based on initial data, electric cars seems to be very, very low cost on the maintenance side of things. So good question. Thank you very much. Uh, as usual, be Lick TV. Uh, let's, let me continue right here. So YouTube channel, Hard Tech or Hard Tech Podcast. The good news is we're getting, we're getting a lot of traction right now online. So if you search Hard Tech Podcast, you should be able to just pull up the channel easily. Uh, and on social media, again, it's 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 Hard Tech or at Hard Tech Podcast. Uh, the links for all social media in the description of the video. Keep in mind that we post uh, pretty much daily on Instagram, Twitter, and fa Facebook and LinkedIn. So check us out on, on any of those platforms that you might be on. Go ahead and follow for for insights into what's really happening, what's really trending in the hardware technology space, right? Uh, if you want to know more about what's happening with robotics, energy, transportation, healthcare, things that impact your life currently or are going to impact your life in the near future, just go on social media and follow us. Um, the audio version of this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to listen on other platforms like um, Google Podcasts or iHeartRadio, things like that, just go to our RSS channel and click on your favorite uh, audio podcast uh, platform to listen. The links are also in the description of this video. Uh, uh, as usual, please leave your comments on the video uh, on, uh, after watching. I'd love to hear your opinions. Do you agree or disagree with the with, with the need for variety in the options that we have in terms of powering things directly? Uh, let me know in the comment section as usual. I appreciate them as usual. I take I read every comment and I try to um, reply to as many comments as I can. So on your way out, please like and share the video. Um, so that you see more content like this. And again, thank you guys very much. I'll see you guys on the next one.